0: Hello and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host Kelly Crichton and as ever our resident TV critic Stephen Ross is here. In addition this week we're joined by Jacob Pennon's senior reporter for Sussex World. Remember, if you want to see our faces, you can head over to the brand new Freeview Channel 276 Shots, which is brought to you by a network of journalists across the country who are transforming stories at the heart of your community into great TV. You'll find true crime stories, football news and analysis, plus coverage of lifestyle TV, film and much more. If you haven't tuned in before, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching as well as looking more closely at the new programme or something making the headlines in the deep dive. This week, Stephen is talking to us about historical romance political thriller. Fellow travellers Can't wait to hear about that It's like genre spanning And finally we go back to the future To tell you about a programme You may have missed When it first aired or streamed This week Jacob has joined us To talk about a series That's been running for quite a while And the most recent series Finished not that long ago Love is Blind I'm excited for this Because I love a bit of reality TV chat Which Stephen doesn't So anytime anybody wants to talk about reality TV I'm like Totally there for it. <laughs> uh, but first, we like to talk about what everyone has been watching recently. Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go first this week. I never go first. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely. Do you know
0: why? I'm so excited. I watched the first episode of Three Little Birds last night mm. and I enjoyed it thoroughly. So big recommendation. This is I don't think we mentioned it on the main pod last week, but you gave it as a recommendation for Mm. Weekend Watch, Stephen. So this is Lenny Henry's sort of semi-autobiographical... It's his mother's story, essentially, about coming over from Jamaica in the late 50s, early 60s, Yeah, the
1: Windrush generation.
0: Yeah, and he kind of has co... I don't know, like he's partnered with Russell T. Davis. I don't know exactly what Russell T. Davis' input is, but anyway you can just tell it's Russell T. Davis all over it because you're like crying and laughing in the same hour, you know, and it's just such colourful. Mm. I guess it's probably a mix of the writing and the production, but it really gives you a vivid picture of their lives, you know, and um, I just really, really enjoyed it. it. That first episode only covered like maybe their first two or three days in, in England and it kind of shows us a little bit of their backstory as well. So... Yeah, so far so good. So the three, two sisters and a friend, essentially, and they are they come to England to be reunited with the two sisters' brother. Um, and yeah, they get off to a bit of a rocky start, but it's still like, there's still a lot of humour in it. And three very strong characters, the three different women and all very different people. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of it. So that... That was that. I finished, I watched so much TV this week. I finished Screw, which I enjoyed. Didn't enjoy the first few episodes, but it got better towards the end and there was a good finale and that's teed up for a third series, definitely. So that's Channel 4. It's an easy watch, six hour long episodes. So if you're looking for a filler, it's definitely a good one. I finished The Reckoning, the Jimmy Savile <laughs> drama, which was, kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth and does leave you with some questions, I thought. And that that thing they put on at the start of every episode never stopped jarring with me. the the thing about this is based on detailed research, and then the next sentence was, "We've dramatized parts of it," which I just thought it was, I the there was a contradiction in terms about what they felt about the the story, you know. Um, but I found out stuff that I didn't know that I won't go into detail about here, but just about some of the things he did, and it's horrifying, absolutely horrifying um back on the bear as well but not finished it and sort of dipping in and out of big brother still for my sins so there you there you go jacob any chance you're watching big brother
2: not yet no but i'm hoping to jump into it when i get the chance
0: oh are you oh i'm glad (laughs) come on reality tv right okay stephen we go to you then tell us what have you been watching recently
1: yeah, I've not been uh, watching an awful lot because I've been, been away for a few days
0: um, oh, nice! At,
1: in Northumberland without any uh, internet, but I managed to catch up on the latest episodes of Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, still really good, but I, I think what I realised part through watching this is that it's a documentary made by the people it's about. Yeah. And they're, like, making money off it, which they'll then use to fund... Wrexham in the next season. Yep. And it's like a it's an ecosystem. Yep. And they in the le- latest season, I mean, I don't follow football particularly closely. I weirdly quite like football documentaries, but I'm not <laughs> as bothered about actual football. Like at the It's the
0: drama. You like the drama, the jazz hands. Yeah.
1: Okay. So they they've just bought God some Prem goalkeeper who retired ten months ago, I can't remember his name, who used to play at Wrexham and then was with the prem for about 500 games and they've just bought him for to sort of finish out the season to basically guarantee that they'll they'll get promotion it's not really an underdog story anymore is it because they're just and they they make a big point in this episode about how they painted peanuts and he's come because of the passion his passion for the club and they're pretending that like oh he would have done this anyway but without the documentary and without Ryan and Rob buying the club, I don't know if some Prem footballer would have come to a non-league so, team. So sorry, when, you, when you
0: say they're paying him peanuts, they used to pay him peanuts and now they're bringing him back on a bigger no, wage. So or-
1: they, they, he went, he apparently of his own volition went on a podcast after the signing and said, oh, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm, I'm literally getting paid peanuts. I'm only doing it because, you know, I used to play for and I really want to see them get back into the league. Mm-hmm. But, like he didn't go last year, did he? Yeah. <laughs> like he's gone yeah. now that the documentary they've been out of the league for ages. So,
0: what's his motivation being part of the documentary?
1: F- to me, I don't want to slander anybody. <laughs> Obviously, he says he's doing it because he what he loves the okay. club and he wants to see the club go up. Maybe he's doing it because he's just retired and he's looking for other things to go into and being on a Disney Plus doc with yeah. Rob McElhenney, Ryan Reynolds would be quite good for his profile Mm. maybe that's part of it but apparently it's all selfless and he's just doing it to help out but obviously they're going to go up if you have prem players in non-league football so it and I get now with the first season I didn't see it as much but I get why a lot of people especially supporters of non-league teams that are going up against Wrexham every week are a bit pissed Mm. off that this is happening because they're just throwing money and other incentives yeah but also from if it the was their club
0: they'd be like great you know
1: yeah no, I, I agree but it does just seem like they're not really getting there on their own merits because yeah, by I the time that, they get into Do you know but the, isn't that argument one,
0: you can use that argument in football anyway because of the way the massive investors come into clubs and like
1: yeah when you look at Newcastle they're bought by the Saudis and suddenly they're you know flying it. Is it beating Chef United 8-0 or something yeah. but And I don't like that either but it it just the fact that they're presenting it like I don't I don't like it but Newcastle aren't pretending that they're not you know throwing money at the situation whereas Ryan and Rob in the documentary try and make a point about how they're like this grassroots gritty underdog scrappy team but Presumably their wage bill is considerably more than everyone else there. Well, against, not if no. they're
0: getting people to come across and play because they wanna be you know, their yeah, motivations yeah, are they're, something they're, else, you know, by by the sounds of things.
1: To an extent. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who but, knows what they're paying? Like they should be paying them well if they've got the money, you know, but like, oh god, it sounds a bit of a mire actually, doesn't it? Okay, but you're so the documentary is like this time last year sort of thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, in fact, I think it's 2023 now. Do you find yourself, like,
0: looking up what's been happening at Wrexham since?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You
0: love it. You are a football fan. You just don't admit it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Right, then. Jacob, what have you been watching? Save us from football.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no football chat from me, but, um, yeah, I was away, so I downloaded the newest season of uh, Big Mouth, so I've been watching that. So, um. For those who don't know, it's sort of a cartoon sort of about a load of middle schoolers in America kind of going through puberty and sort of tackling that era of their life. It's kind of like sex education,
0: but
2: very silly. And yeah, just very juvenile and just very silly and kind of, yeah, very cartoon you
0: Did you review that last year, Stephen? Is that...
2: I did not. I've never
1: seen it. Maybe
0: Alex did when it was coming back.
1: Potentially.
0: Potentially. So can you... Is it on UK channels or is it just a... You have to get it it's
2: online.
0: on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, cool. Um, And they're short, obviously. Are they, the these episodes?
2: Yeah, I think they're about 20, 22 minute episodes. And yeah, the newest season's only got 10 uh, episodes in it. So it's, yeah, very easy watching.
0: Before we go on to the next part, uh, I need to mention Great British Bake Off. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this week's episode, Tuesday night, there was a double do we call them evictions on Great British Bake? Elimination. Elim- oh my god, elimination, sorry. Yeah. Well, it's kind of an eviction, isn't it? They get thrown out of the tent, I presume. Um so yeah, it was a bit of a shame, actually. Two quite nice, bubbly characters um went out, but they had a disastrous week, both of them, and it was pastry week, which, my god, anyone who can cook pastry is a winner in my book. But they really did not do a good job and um, yeah, I won't say who exactly it is, but it it was a bit of a shame. It was kind of sad to see two people go. It feels like it's kind of hurtling towards, it's gone beyond midway now. So, but next week is Botanicals Week, which if I am correct, is the first time we've ever had a Botanicals Week. So I think that's going to be really interesting. But I mean, what amateur baker out there knows how to use botanicals? You know, it's a little bit like, really? I don't
1: even know what that that means in baking.
0: (laughs) So botanicals are like... Things you find in the garden, like lavender yeah. and stuff you can kind of pick. And there's other th- like it's, yeah, plants and flowers and things that you yeah, can. You don't
1: eat lavender, do you?
0: you? Of course you do. You put lavender flavor in things. Yeah. Oh, God, you have to start watching it, uh, Stephen. You have to start watching it. OK, moving along. Right. Stephen, talk to us on the Deep Dive this week. You're going to do Fellow Travellers, which is new to Paramount+. Plus. I know nothing about this. Tell us all about It, it sounds exciting, though, I have to say.
1: It it is exciting. It's the synopsis makes it sound like one of those, you know, those sci-fi dramas where it's like the same two people but at different parts, eras in time. Okay, they're like different, but that's not what it is oh, at all. Okay, because the synopsis is like two men fall in love through at different times through like plagues and upheavals and whatever.
0: But they and just lived in it sounds, a really shit time, is it?
1: Yeah, they they just lived in the fifties when. Being gay in America wasn't—you uh, didn't win the lottery of life, but it's—it's it's really good. So the first sort of ten minutes of the first episode, I thought, oh bloody hell, this is going to be a slog because it is like a sort of slow burn drama. But mm-hmm. after that, I just really got into it. I love sort of—I hate period dramas in the sense of ones like set in the British aristocracy yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. down to like, Abbey-style Cold War America. Mm, that's my thing. So well, yeah. It's like it's set during um, McCarthyism and the whole better dead than red sort of era. And McCarthy's trying to root out the communists and basically anyone not considered normal in air quotes is at risk of being labelled communist. And at the same time as this, they get super scared. They're scare about homosexuality in the US, in the government and how it might Weak security, and how gay Americans might be allied with the communists. It's all very paranoid, but also, you know, historically, these fears were sort of at the top of government. So it follows two people working in government. A guy called Hawk, who's played by uh, Matt Bomer. Uh, Matt Bomer was in, uh, he played Ken in the Magic Mike trilogy. And then you have Jonathan Bailey. <laughs> what a Mike.
0: reference.
1: I know. I'm I know, sure know. many I of our listeners have seen
0: all three of the Magic Mike f- films. I've well, definitely seen all three. I've definitely seen the first one. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I'm not sure I went back for two and three.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he comes back for XXL and Magic Mike's last dance <laughs> as well. Um, Jonathan Stephen, Bailey. your thieves. I know. <laughs> I, uh, I do a lot of research for this show. Jonathan <laughs> Bailey is the love interest. He plays Tim or Skippy, and he's from Broadchurch and Bridgerton. But I actually recognised him from Crashing, which I spoke about probably a oh, while ago. To now. I'm gonna have to look him up now. Broadchurch
0: people. and Bridgerton. Hmm. Go
1: on. Yeah. Um, so this is actually set, it's set predominantly in the 50s during the, the Red Scare, but then there's also a, a narrative in, I think, the 80s. Well, it will be the 80s because it's, it's in the midst of the AIDS pandemic and it's following the two men again, mm. but they've had a huge falling out. And during the sort of scenes in the 50s, we're leading up to what that might have been. And why did, why are they not friends or why are they not lovers even in the 80s? And yeah, it's, it's super, super interesting because you have, it's a really good way of presenting the
0: political tensions and yeah, cultural and, backdrop. and, and, on,
1: and the, the human effects of, of, of that era, because mm-hmm you can see like the constant uncertainty and never being able to feel secure, even in their own home, Mm -hmm. um, to be gay men um, and women as well, uh, though to a lesser extent, but it does also look at the experience of gay women. And it's really quite tragic in a lot of ways, but then there's also like this sort of vein of like heartfelt, resistance mm-hmm. i guess running through it and mm-hmm. um, you have a a black reporter who's who's also gay and he's reporting on these investigations into you know communists and potential homosexuals in the government whilst also trying to fight if desegregation mm-hmm. and for desegregation laws to actually be applied mm-hmm. when they are passed and then also finding he has to fight this other battle mm-hmm. for sort of Not even gay equality, just you know, tolerance, I guess. Um, And he's he's he feels like he can only do one thing at a time. He can only fight one battle because he's kind of part of the
0: establishment in one way and and another. Yeah, and and he's he's
1: sort of doubly doubly down because he's a black American in the fifties and a gay American in the fifties. So he's yeah, it's um, it's basically a really really good love story in a really interesting time with a really strong backdrop so you you have joe mccarthy's played by chris bauer who is in the wire he's great as mccarthy will brill who isn't really from anything big apologies to to will brill <laughs> plays roy Cohn, who was um sort of mccarthy's right hand man in cracking down on well, they would call it deviancy. So, are um, the two because, main
0: characters are they sort of in the department that's dealing with McCarthyism, or how are yeah, what, what's of, the connection um, between them and us seeing Maca- McCarthy?
1: So, so Tim is like a an aide in McCarthy or Roy Cohn's office, even. Okay. So he's hearing these conversations.
0: Yeah.
1: And sort of doing the, the a bit of a dog's body for for Roy Cohn
0: mm-hmm.
1: and McCarthy. And then he's feeding some of what he finds out to Hawk, who's also working within the government, but you know, isn't particularly happy with McCarthy, obviously. Great performances from both of the leads, and Will Brill looks really like uncanny as as Roy Cohn. Um,
0: so tell us the logistics then what, how long, and how many episodes, etc. Excuse uh, me,
1: there are eight episodes and they'll be airing weekly on paramount plus from saturday the 28th of october oh. and they're about an hour long each uh, each episode is is a slow burn but you really get sort of sucked into it so mm. it's very good it's from the writer of philadelphia as well oh, do yeah, you know Tom that popped Pound.
0: into my head when you were talking about the sort of aids and hiv stuff yeah. from the 80s and and
1: it is yeah it's it's got those sort of themes of you, that you'll see in, in It's a Sin as well of mm-hmm. um, struggling for acceptance whilst also having these existential yep. issues facing yep. the community as well. Yep. Um, it's yeah. fantastic, sure.
0: Okay, brilliant. I'm I'm almost tempted to get Paramount Plus now because they've got yeah, that I- and they've got... Yellow jacket season two
1: <laughs> yeah I've been slagging off Paramount Plus every time it's brought up it's getting but, better though um, isn't
0: it it's getting a bit it is
1: yeah they like got a bit some weightier. good new releases
0: yeah yeah cool yeah okay Trill brilliant Stephen what's come over you recently you've, what, you've like m- mostly positive reviews the last few weeks must be like I was going to say spring is in the air but clearly it's the opposite <laughs> maybe it's your time of year um OK, cool. Right. Over to you now, Jacob, for Back to the Future. And you're going to talk to us about Love is Blind. So for anyone, you're going to have to describe the premise of this thing, just in case we have any yeah. listeners who don't know. Stephen probably doesn't know what it is. So, yeah, t- tell Stephen what it's about. <laughs> that
2: will be great. Well, essentially they have a load, this is based in America and they pick a city for, so for example, this season it was Houston Mm -hmm. and they'll get these singles in that city who've applied and you've got the male quarter and you've got the female quarter and they kind of live together for, I think it's three or four weeks and they have dates with one another, but it's through, they call it pods where you can't see the other person. Mm -hmm. So it will kind of be an opaque screen in between them. So they can't see and they have like a little mini living room. So they'll have dates and play games, but they can never see each other. Mm So they date and date and date. And the only way they can see each other is if they get engaged. So it's all their extreme. But sort of the premise of the social experiment, as they like to call it, yeah. is that it kind of proves that love is blind and looks don't matter. Yeah. But ironically, a lot of them don't stay together once they see each other. But it's, yeah, it's quite an interesting show.
0: Okay, so I've only ever really seen this on Gogglebox. And usually what they put on Gogglebox is when there's some like humding or something happens, right? So my question yeah. for you is, I think anything I've ever seen... They were actually quite good looking, the people that were on it. So I was a bit like, has this, you know, was the first episode like they were all like average to, you know, whatever, you know, maybe not. The whole premise is about looks, really, when we if we're honest, right. Yeah. So I don't want to be sounding shallow, but my question is, over time, have the contestants become more beautiful and then it's just a. It's more of a. Competition. Traditionally
1: attractive, I think, is the word. What's the word? Traditionally attractive. Traditionally,
0: traditionally attractive. Yeah. Attract. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. I'll try to remember That's that. A great name. Yeah. Okay. So they've become more traditionally attractive.
1: <laughs> less unconventionally unattractive.
0: <laughs> yeah. So would you agree with that, Jacob? Have you watched enough series to comment? <laughs> uh,
2: I've watched all the seasons so far, and. I don't know. I mean, I would probably say they were more traditionally attractive towards the start. But Mm. I do often say to my girlfriend when we watch it, nobody in there, you know, they're all relatively attractive. It's not like they're going to open the door and be absolutely appalled or shocked at what they're seeing. They're all relatively attractive people. Mm. So, yeah, it's a little bit silly that that's the premise. But they're all, you know, pretty good looking people.
0: Okay, tell us about this most recent series, though.
2: So this most recent season was uh, season five. And I mean, it was a little bit disappointing in some ways. I won't go into it because I don't want to spoil it for any listeners, but a little bit disappointing in some ways. But the big thing is that there's a guy and a girl who knew each other on the outside and they came in there. And this is the first time it's ever happened, is that they recognized each other's voices and they'd actually dated about six months before they'd entered the show. So that was something that was really interesting. And there's a lot of conflict that arises from that and their new partners and kind of... Talking to each other's new partners about what the older, people, oh. what the older person was like, and it just creates a whole lot. Where uh, if it wasn't for that, I think the show would be pretty rubbish this okay. season. But that has. Really Do you think saved the
0: it. producers did that on purpose? Then I, I, I doubt they leave much to chance. Like they probably interrogate them about who all their exes are and everything to make sure it, that either does or doesn't happen.
2: Yeah, you'd think mm. so. But apparently they said that the producers had to sit down and have a conversation once they realized and said, are we going to, because this was on the Thursday, they were apparently contemplating throwing them both out and saying, this is going to ruin the experiment. Yeah. But had a chat with them and both of them said, well, we don't want to rekindle anything and we won't tell anyone in our okay. quarters. Okay. So they had to have an agreement that they couldn't, for I think two or three weeks, they couldn't tell anyone that they knew who that other person oh, was. Oh,
0: interesting, interesting. But but anyway, inevitably, it still ended up leading to a bit of conflict or whatever.
2: Yeah, when it did arise and everyone found out, it did lead to a lot of conflict. But I think the producers are probably pretty happy with that because if it wasn't for yeah. that, it would be pretty dull.
0: Well, we're talking about it now. So that makes that point, doesn't it? Yeah, so, um, okay. So how many series have there been? Is that the, I'm going to say third, am I right? This is no? the
2: fifth. So Oh,
0: fifth, there you go. Yeah, okay.
2: first came out February 2020. So just before we went into lockdown here. And um, it's, yeah, there's one in Brazil now. There's a Japanese edition and they're releasing a UK version very soon as well, I think.
0: Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, so where do you watch that or where did you watch that?
2: That's on Netflix.
0: On Netflix as well. Okay, all right. So in general, though, you would recommend it. It's quite... Oh,
2: hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. If you go back to the, because <laughs> you, you can go back and the there's a couple of seasons that are just unbelievable. So yeah, really? go back, watch the first season, I think it is. And I want to say the third season are unbelievable. Okay. So, but, yeah, you can go back. All of them are very interesting. And if you like reality TV, you'll be absolutely hooked.
0: Okay. So first season and third season particularly. Okay. Excellent. All right. I will, uh, you know, I told you I started watching Below Deck a few weeks ago, but I've not, I kind of gave up on that. So maybe this will be like my guilty watch. Um, <laughs> after this conversation okay yeah. thanks for joining us today Jacob and thanks to everybody for listening do look out for Friday morning Screen Babble Weekend Watch which will preview 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 what to watch over the weekend and beyond if you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives drop us a line by our social media you'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World we'd love for you to rate review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible we'll be back next week with more Screen Babble Bye-bye. bye
2: bye bye bye